This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. My dear fellow saints of God, the children of Israel had escaped slavery in Egypt. They have walked through the dry ground of the parted Red Sea waters. God has fed them when they were hungry in the desert with manna and quail. He has quenched their thirst in the desert with water from a rock. Now God has gathered his children of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. He has called Moses to come up onto the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And then the Lord invited Moses, Moses' brother Aaron, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel to come up onto the mountain to worship the Lord. Before ascending the mountain, Moses built an altar to the Lord at the base of the mountain. He sacrificed cattle on that altar. But before doing so, he gathered the blood from the cattle in bowls. He splashed the blood onto the altar. And then the other half of the blood he splashed on the people. Then Moses read from the book of the covenant aloud. God's people with blood drying on their faces and their clothing. They heard Moses read the book aloud. And then they made a covenant to the Lord promising all that the Lord has said we will do. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders went up onto the mountain. They were allowed to see God in his glory without dying. They see a, a sapphire street under God's feet. God, in his grace, does not lay his hand on the people in righteous judgment. They were permitted to gaze upon God and not be blinded by his glory. They were able to commune with God at his table. They ate and drank with the Lord himself. Then God called Moses to go up higher onto the mountain so he could give them the law that the Israelites had just vowed that they would keep. Moses went up onto the mountain of the Lord and then a cloud descended upon the mountain, and the people below saw that it looked like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain. Admittedly, this is one of the weirder stories in the book of Exodus. Sacrifices, blood, seeing God, a sapphire road, seeing God's feet, eating with God. There's a devouring fire. There is holiness on that mountain. There is glory on that mountain because God is on that mountain. Yet right in the middle of it all, Moses sees the need to send his brother Aaron and her back down the mountain. He said, wait here for us to the elders until we come back to you. Look, here are Aaron and her. They will be with you. Whoever is involved in a dispute can go to them. Moses knows the people very well. These are the people who cried out in fear when they saw Pharaoh chasing them down by the Red Sea, crying out, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They grumbled against Moses and against God because of their hunger. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt 
when we sat around pots of meat and ate as much food as we wanted. But now you have brought us out into this wilderness to have this whole community die of hunger. They whined against God and Moses because of their thirst. Why did you ever bring us up out of Egypt to let us, our children, and our livestock die of thirst? Moses knew that it didn't matter what miraculous events happened or what glorious sights they were seeing. It didn't matter if God himself came down in bodily form. Someone at the bottom of that mountain was going to have a conflict and needed a judge. Someone inside the camp was going to have a dispute. So whether it was then or whether it is now, there are disputes despite God's glory. We notice in the gospel lesson, Jesus deals with this too. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is revealed in his glory. Matthew writes, there he was, transfigured in front of them. His face was shining like the sun. His clothing became as white as the light. Jesus, the Son of God, is having a conversation with two of the great prophets of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. Just like the Lord had had conversations with these two prophets previously on mountains in the Old Testament. In the middle of that conversation, Peter breaks in saying, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter, by his own admission to St. Mark in his gospel, says that he was so terrified, he didn't know what he was saying. And then decades later, Peter, in his epistle, is writing about what he witnessed on the Mount of Transfiguration, seeing Jesus in his majestic glory. He is defending himself and his fellow apostles from false prophets. The false prophets were saying that Peter and the other apostles were just making up stories about Jesus. So Peter wrote in his defense, to be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Disputes despite God's glory on Mount Sinai. Disputes despite God's glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Disputes despite Peter writing about Christ's majestic glory on the mountain. Frustrating this is, yet how true this is. Don't you experience this in your own life? We gather on God's mountain in this sanctuary for worship, but we have disputes about something that was done or left undone by people. We have disputes about the time of worship, the length of worship, the music and the preaching in worship. What campus is going to have the worship and then the cost to fund the ministry of this worship? We commune at the Lord's table and yet we have some kind of disagreement with those with whom we commune. We are sprinkled with Christ's blood in the words of absolution and yet we are unwilling to give that same absolution to a family member who said or did something on the way to church that morning. 
we have heard the Lord's, Lord's voice from the cloud saying to us to listen to his son, and yet we have disputes about whether we're going to church, what we're going to wear to church. We have disputes about how our children or other people's children behave in the church. There can be disputes in our home about projects undone, bills unpaid, and grades underperformed. There can be disputes at work about high stress, about crabby clients, grumpy bosses, high prices, supply chain issues, and so much more. There are disputes with our neighbors, our relatives, and our government officials. It doesn't take much, does it? It doesn't take much for us to forget about God's phenomenal glory and instead focus on our own petty disputes. Thank God for his patience with us. Thank God that he knows us so well and yet he still doesn't give up on us. He doesn't turn away from us because he sees us as unholy. He doesn't lay his righteous hand on us and squash us in righteous judgment. He doesn't blind us with his majestic glory. Instead, he gives us hope. Instead, he gives us a covenant between God and us, and not a two-sided covenant like the children of Israel agreed to, and then broke as soon as Moses was on the mountain too long, so they started worshiping a golden calf. No, this is a one-sided covenant where God makes all of the promises, and then you and I are the blessed recipients of all of those promises of grace through Jesus Moses and the children of Israel witnessed God's glory as a burning bush, as thunder uh, in the sky, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and as a devouring fire on a mountain. For God's Old Testament people, the glory of God was a curiosity still, not a common occurrence. It was as much an occasion of fear as it was an occasion of joy. But now in Jesus Christ, God's glory is no longer a curiosity or a rarity. It is as regular as the word that is preached and the sacraments that are given. The Lord hid his face from Moses and the elders or they would have been consumed by his glorious majesty. Peter, James, and John, they cover their eyes because Christ's glory was shining so brightly from his face. So that the Son of God could come and dwell among his people, Jesus covered up his true self. He covered up his divinity underneath the mask of humanity. That is how much our holy and glorious God loves us and desires to dwell among us. Because we cannot ascend to be with the glory of God. God descends to come down among us. Jesus Christ, though, remains the glory of God incarnate in the flesh. Come down to earth to save us. The Son of God comes down despite our disputes, in spite of our sins, undeterred by our unholiness. He dwells among us by covering up his divinity with humanity. But today on this feast... He invites us and allows us a glimpse of that divinity upon the Mount of Transfiguration. 
But then Jesus, when his conversation with Moses and Elijah is over, descends from the Mount of Transfiguration so that weeks later he can uh, ascend the Mount of Calvary. There he sheds his divinely human blood that is then splashed on us to make us holy in God's sight and acceptable to our holy God. He gives us his sacrificial flesh and blood to eat and to drink in the sacramental meal. That in this sacrament at the Lord's table, we are able to commune with each other in a horizontal fellowship. But we are also to have a vertical fellowship as we are able to commune with God himself. Here in the sanctuary, our God tells us, I, as he tells us, I am well pleased with you. And we hear those words in the words of absolution. Not because you are so acceptable or you have made yourself so pleasing to him. Rather, he says, I am well pleased with you because he has made you acceptable and pleasing to him. Through the waters of baptism, where he washed away your sins and where he made you his dear sons and daughters. God advises from the clouds still today, this is my son. Listen to him. And when we are gathered together in the sanctuary for worship, when we come together for our various Bible studies, when we are reading God's word or having personal and family devotions, then we are listening to the Son. And in all of these ways, baptism, the Lord's Supper, God's word, and absolution, we see the, God, the glory of God despite our disputes. The means of grace, God's gospel in word and sacraments. This is what helps prevent us from having disputes. This is what gives us forgiveness despite our disputes when we come to him in repentance. And it teaches us how to avoid disputes. Moses and the elders on the mountain, that's a weird story. It may be the first time you've really read it and studied it. It may be weird, but it is not a cleverly invented story. It is 100% true, and it teaches us a lesson. We cannot approach God's glory. We are sinners who have disputes despite being in the presence of God's glory. So the Son of God who in his glorious majesty approached us, covering his divinity with humanity, also that, he, also that we can be covered with his sacrificial blood, dwell in his presence without being consumed, and so that he can let his face shine on us at the end of every worship service. Christ descends upon us, also that God can fellowship with us, eat with us, drink with us, commune with us, speak with us, forgive us, and save us. Amen.